0: Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. I'm going to invite you to turn in your Bible to Matthew 16. Matthew 16. 15, Jesus says to his disciples, what about you? Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, you're the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. For this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you, you are, Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. This morning, in the earlier part of our service, we were talking about church building. But there's two kinds of church building and let's move on to the second kind now. The first we were talking about was bricks and mortar, steel and timber. But there's two kinds of building and we wanna, we don't want to neglect perhaps the most important of the two which is the building of the church, not the physical building but of the of the people. And just in this very short time, just a very, very quick message, but one I hope that will help us today. On What does God think a church should look like? We all, all of us, have ideas about what we think a church should look like. I don't mean the window, the floor, the wall. But what should go on in it, how it should be, everyone has an idea. Normally it comes from the church that they went to for a long time and it's become part of them. But just very quickly this morning, let's look at three biblical truths about what God says a church should be like. And once again, it's been a very important morning and this, for me, It's also a very important part of what we're talking about today. Number one, it's God's church, not ours. If we had a conversation with God and said, God, what do you think about the church? What do you think about it? The very first thing he might say is this, it's mine, (laughs) belongs to me. The church belongs to God. He paid for it. He processes it, blesses it. It belongs to him. King's church belongs to the king. doesn't belong to the uh, kavanah. It belongs to the king. And all churches, if you look into their title deeds, you will discover that the owner is God. He's not just the owner, of course, he's also the builder. But in that one phrase that uh, the Lord said to Peter in the passage we read, you have it encapsulated completely. I will build my church. Now we have an interesting scenario in the New Testament because... As we read the whole of the word of God, we find that Paul, the apostle, also considered himself to be a church builder. We find that Christ is the foundation, but we also find Paul saying of his ministry, I laid a foundation as an expert builder. So the church is built by God. And the church is built by those with ministries, particularly those ministries that have to do with laying expert foundations, if you like, doing it well, and doing it according to heavenly blueprints. But the church is God's. This church belongs to God. This meeting today belongs to God. All the things we're going to do this week that are to do with this church, and actually, by the way, of course, all of our lives, but that's another message, isn't it? They belong to God. God can do whatever he wants in his church. Can you say amen? It's his church. He can do whatever he wants. And this psalm that I brought up on the screen here, Psalm 127 verse 1, says this, I'll I'll just quote it to you. Unless the Lord, what's the verse? Builds the house. The workers who do it, they labour in vain. Unless God is building this church, it will not be built. Right? Unless God is involved at the highest level, in the decision-making process. And you say, well, of course he is. No, not of course he is. Because we as leaders of this church, we have to invite God to to be the chief pastor of the church. We have to invite him to speak into our lives. Everyone who stands behind this pulpit here today, everyone who comes and takes a microphone, To speak into the midst of this great church. Needs to be inspired by the one who owns the whole thing. And is running the whole thing. Namely God. Namely Christ. Namely the Spirit of God. So we can have many, many plans and dreams. Who would have believed in a million years. That God would have used. Fire regulations to get me back on track. It's no good rebuking the fire regulations if God has sent them. Like Jonah, sometimes the obstacle is actually taking him in the direction that he really ought to have gone in the first place. I feel like that very much with this. And I apologize to you for not having the courage earlier on. But here we are now. Unless the Lord builds it, they labour in vain. Unless the Lord is moving in our midst, then all who play and sing and greet and boil water and teach kids, all those workers, we're all doing it in vain. Unless the Lord himself is involved. I want to tell you, thank God, I believe the Lord is involved here. It's not a case of having a time of repentance or we've left God out. By the grace of God, we have leaders here in this church who do not leave God out and try to respond to his voice. Let me tell you something else about God's voice. A little bit what I said earlier, I believe God's true and genuine voice is probably infrequent but significant. And I said it earlier just as a throwaway, but let me say it again. God's voice is probably to be expected to be infrequent but significant. God is not going to tell me something tomorrow different to what he told me today. So we're not going here and then here and then trying this and going there. We want to set sail with, 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 a, with a clear course. The Lord is the builder of the church. In Matthew 21... Verse 13 he says this, my house shall be called what? House of prayer. When God in the form of Jesus Christ walked into the temple in Jerusalem and he looked around it, these were the words that came out of his mouth, my house shall be called a house of prayer. Now, Talking about a house of prayer is another message again. What I want to talk about here. Just the very fact that Jesus felt that he possessed. And owned. That temple. And Jesus owns. And possesses this building. But not just the building. But the living stones that are in it. You're not your own. You belong to him. You belong to him. So the first thing. About the church is that it does not belong to people. It, of course is administered through people. And of course, God has set in His body certain gifts. Number two, it's not God's church but ours. Number two, it must connect and affect its world. Why don't you go to First Corinthians quickly? First Corinthians nine. 1 Corinthians 9. All of these things we could say so much about. But maybe we'll just do a thumbnail today. Let's pick it up in verse 20. This is what Paul said about his ministry. And it should be said about ours. He says to the Jews. I became like a Jew. To win the Jews. To those under the law. I became like one under the law, although I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, although I am not free from God's law, but under Christ's law, so as to win those not having the law. Verse 22, To the weak I became weak to win the weak. I've become all things, To all men, so that by possible means, all possible means, I might save some. That's an amazing thing for him to say. Paul says this in my ministry to reach people, I do not become separated from them. The greatest mistake that a church can make to try to reach its community is to become so odd, so different, that when people come, they've got no connection with it. Now, this is a very difficult thing to do. Because we are different. Can you say amen? We are not like everyone else. Some of you have thought that about me for years. But we are not like everyone else. If you are, something's wrong with you. We are not like everyone else. We do not think like everyone else. We have been regenerated by the Holy Spirit. And we have the mind of Christ. And we no longer conform to the pattern of this world. But we are transformed by the renewing of our minds. We are supposed to be different. But we are not supposed to be inaccessible. Paul said this, I connect with the culture that I'm in. That's what he said. To the Jew, when I'm in the Jewish area, I become like the Jews. Hi everyone, I'm a Jew. Because he was. When he was in the Gentile area, hi everyone, here's my my Roman citizenship, he became like a Gentile. He fitted in wherever he was. Now let me tell you what that isn't. That isn't being two-faced. That isn't saying hallelujah on Sunday and swearing on Monday. That's not what we're talking about. That's called being a fake. But what we are talking about is this. Being the friend, as Jesus was, of tax collectors and sinners. How come in the life of Jesus it was the religious people who didn't want to come to his house group? But all of the non-religious people, they just wanted to get around and have a costa with him. You see how I just slipped that in there? (laughs) Other coffee shops are available. How come the prostitutes, the tax collectors, and in the words of the Amplified Bible, which I love this bit, the especially wicked sinners, whoever they were, dread to think. How come they got on with him, but the Pharisees didn't? Well, there's something wrong with the Pharisees, but there was something right about him. To the Jew, I became like a Jew. To the Gentile, I became like the Gentile. I was thinking about the cafe zone that we're going to have here. And I thought, do you know what we need? Now listen, you get yourself ready for a shock. You just get ready for like a, you just get yourself ready for a, we're leaving this church and never coming back moment. But of course we need a TV in here. If for nothing else we can show up and watch England lose a football match. Of course there should be Wi Fi in here. Of course there should be. Of course we should have the best media facility we can have. Of course we should be meeting in coffee shops. That's where the culture is. Paul said this, I have to connect. I have to connect with the culture. I was visiting a church last week or the week before last, many of you know. And they are in a town that is famous for surfing. Surfing. And as you walk around the town, people are walking around with surfboards. One of the guys said to me, do you do any surfing? I I said, I do. Stupid question. He said, really? I said, I'm surfing all the time. You know, Google, uh, Yahoo, Watoto, So the church had to be, and they set up like a cafe area and it was set up, it looked like something out of home and away. Oh, that's lost on you, isn't it? It looked like something out of some Australian uh, surfing cafe. You walked in there and you thought, I'm in a surfing cafe. Well, of course it should look like that because that's where they are. Of course. We have to ask some questions and this isn't the time to ask them, let alone to answer them. But we have to ask ourselves, what's the community like here? And therefore, what must be provided here that connects with them, not compromises with them? We're not trying to compete with them. But we have to be accessible. The book of Titus chapter 2 and verse 10 says this, in every way. We should make the teaching about God, our Savior, attractive. That's an amazing thought. It's an amazing thought. And there comes a challenge not to compromise. Can you say amen? amen. Come on, say amen. amen. Say no compromise. No. no, no, no compromise. But we have to connect. And why do we have to connect? So we can affect. And they just happen to rhyme. But we need to connect in order to affect. You are the light of the world, you are the salt of the earth. So we have a job to do. And it's actually a bigger job than raising money and buying steel. Now that's a big job, but there's an even bigger job to connect and affect the community that we're in. We're beginning that in August around the corner. Bring £2.20 with you. No, we are. It's about connecting and affecting. To the Jew, I became a Jew. To the Gentile, I became a Gentile. I become all things to all men. Why? So I can fit in and feel good and feel accepted. No, no. So I might win some. And as soon as we stop trying to win some, then we're just trying to be a trendy church with no power in it. Right? As soon as the goal is not winning, but fitting in, feeling good, As soon as we get like that, all the power is gone. All the purpose is gone. No, we stay with the king and his kingdom. Number three, very quickly. Number one, it's God's church, not ours. Number two, we have to connect and affect the community in which we are in. And number three, which we're we're out of time, but let me just touch it and maybe I'll pick it up another time. It's leaders must Equip and release. Go to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. It's our last scripture to turn to today. Ephesians 4. Now stay with me. Just five more minutes. Stay with me. So this is a key thought coming here now. Many years ago, several centuries ago, in fact, a comma was out of place in a translation of the Bible. Have you ever submitted Some of you have submitted essays and projects, and you, you the main problem might have been your grammar. You know they didn't put the comma in the right place. And here's something that for years and years, because of a certain translation of the Bible, a very old one, caused a real headache and a change and, and just the punctuation changed the whole flow of it. Now, I'll explain. Ephesians 4 verse 11, the Apostle Paul is now speaking about the leaders and the gifts that Christ has given to the church. The gifts that God gives to the church, they are not celebrities. They are not mightier and high and mighty. Can I just say this right now? I've said it a number of times over the years. I just want to say it again. You do not at any time have to call me Pastor Peter. I am Peter. And I'm not going to call you Dorman Jack either. I'm not going to go out in the back and go, hello, can I speak to Sunday school teacher Beverly? I'm going to call her Beverly. And I'm not looking to you to elevate me with some sort of status. I know who I am. I'm a gift from Christ to this church. And I don't need a title to make me feel good about that. Now, I know some of you do it because it's your tradition to do it. So if you want to carry on, carry on. What I'm telling you is I don't need it. I don't require it from you. People say, well, we just want to show respect. Well, I, as you know, have helped to lead, uh, had some involvement in about 50 churches in this area. And there were plenty of people saying, I hate Pastor John. And that didn't show him respect either. (laughs) There are other ways to show respect. There are other ways to show respect to the leaders of the church, not necessarily in titles. But here he says, He sends these gifts to the church, these leaders. Verse 11, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And this is what it says in the NIV. To prepare God's people for works of service. In the original King Jim, it said this. For the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, comma, and it looked like that the apostles and the pastors were sent to do the work of the ministry. That's what it looked like. But that's not what it says. It says that these gifts have been sent to prepare God's people for the work of the ministry. That's a totally different thing. That's a totally different thing. To say that God has sent someone to do the ministry or to say that God has sent someone to train others to do the ministry are two entirely different things. God has set in his church, apostles and leaders, prophets, pastors, teachers, absolutely. But they have not been sent to do all the work. They have been sent to be equippers and releasers of others. And if we are going to not only create a new physical church in here, but if we're also going to present to Christ his vision of what a church should be like, then we need to see that happen too. But leaders, of course, they are still needed and necessary. In Romans, the word of God says this, if a man's gift is leadership, let him lead. So there should be leaders. But the leaders should be leading rather than doing it all. God has set in his church, maybe not in all our church, in our head, but in his church, God has set leaders in that they might create other leaders and equip other leaders until we all join the work. One pastor, a visiting speaker, he came to a church and he said, just before I speak, he said, I'd like all of the ministry team to stand up. And in that particular church, I don't know where it was, how many it was, a few people stood And the guy said, why didn't you all stand? Why weren't you all standing? You're all the ministry team, aren't you? But their mindset was not that. Their mindset was "Were well, the ministry team, or the, it, was, it used to be the people with the ties, but now there ain't no ties, baby. It used to be the people at the front, they were the ministry team. And of course, that might be what they're called in that particular place. Actually, I want to say today, can the ministry team in King's Church stand up? That's everybody here. We're all called to the ministry. Your career is in the kingdom. Amen. Well, I, I you saying that, but I've got to work down at the Disney store. Oh, absolutely. But that's not your career. Your career is in the kingdom. Your career is in the kingdom. And very, very few are blessed and released to be sort of set free from secular employment. But that doesn't make them the ministers and everyone else not. Your career is in the kingdom. If we're going to transform this church, we need to make a huge mindset shift on that. That we're all in the team. And if we're all in the team, that means we all have to show up. If we're all in the team, that means we all have to serve. If we're all in the team, that means we all have to do things that maybe we don't exactly want to do. If we're all in the team, we'll show up on time. If we're all in the team, we'll serve the house like it's our own house. God said to the people of Haggai's day, Why are you looking after your own house? But you're not looking after my house. And by the way, there's so much more to looking after God's house than just giving money and offerings. If you see a Mars bar wrapper on the floor, pick it up. Wouldn't you do that in your own house? Wouldn't you do that in your own house? I The other day, some of the kids were playing here in the church. I think it was at the international night. And I said to one of the kids, will you please pick up that. Something was on the floor and I thought one of the kids is going to trip over it and the international night had gone so well and the thought of a St. John's ambulance man coming in and helping a kiddie. I thought that won't end the evening well. So I said to one of the kids, can you pick that shoe up? And of course he said to me, what all young kids say, I didn't put it there. A mature person says, "Something needs to be done, so I better do it." Something needs to be done, so I better do it. As we make this transition in these next few weeks and months, and as we transform this entire church and ministry into something so much stronger for the next generation to come, I'm going to invite you to join the team. You won't get a title because. I didn't, not even I won a title, but you can join the team. Here's what Paul said to Timothy. and We won't go to numbers. We'll do that another time. But in 2 Timothy 2 verse 2, he says this, and with this i finish. He said this, the things you have seen in me, the things you have heard and seen in me, entrust them, he says. To reliable men. The new NIV probably says reliable people. And that's, that's a good thing. The things that you have. Paul writing to Timothy, the young leader. The older leader. The experienced older leader writing to the younger leader. and he says this everything you've learned from me pass it on and trust to reliable people i wanted to notice he didn't just say give it to anybody reliable people reliable people guess what they are they are people you can rely on if they say they'll do it they do it if they say they'll be there, they'll, they will be there. If they say that they'll give it their all, they'll give it their all. We're going to make a transition. Moving to something different to what we've had before. But we'll need to understand these three steps. One, that the church belongs to God. And he's going to build it. Don't you think I nearly choked in my mouth when I told you how much it's all going to cost don't you think I nearly choked in my mouth telling you that? But we got a big daddy, haven't we? So it has to be God's. Number two, we have to connect and affect in the sharing of this good news. And we're going to begin that in August, as you know, in a fresh way. I hope you're excited by it. And number three, the leaders have to become not the doers only. Oh, we're still going to do a lot, but not just the doers, but the equippers. I can't equip anyone who does not want to be equipped. I can't release someone who has not been equipped. But everything within me, I want to raise up more leaders, more speakers, more preachers, Missionaries, youth workers, kids workers, servants, more, 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 more. But these people need to be willing to be equipped. And they need to be reliable. And I want to say to you in these next weeks and months as we move forward, I'm looking for you. I'm looking for those who want to be equipped not someone who wants a job or a title or some position for their esteem, but someone who wants to be equipped and someone who is reliable. If you fit that category today, you have an incredible future here in this church because I want to give the ministry away more than you believe. But it has to be placed in the hands of